coming up on this episode of Subbies Under Fire. They'd done $1.3 million worth of work and been paid $95,000. do not go legal. Do yourself a fight. You're going to be licking your wounds. This is not an episode of The Sopranos. This is a government contract. He was in a world of pain. He actually, he's come to me nearly, he, well, not, he was crying. He presents as, as you say, just a simple country boy who thought he was just going to smash up a bit of rock and move it around and then got sucked into this black hole. I can't pay you. I have nothing. Um, he said, I'm getting that bad. I think I'm probably going to lose my business. I yeah, when I when I spoke to the both of you, he was, he oh. really, he was like a shattered man. He really was. He it, could barely talk. I can remember it like I'm sitting there today. Don't, no, don't push me into this corner. You know what broke him? That was it. You know he went to he went to the funny farm. Welcome to the very first episode of Subbies Under Fire. I'm Anthony Igra. And I'm Rob Caldor. And this is the podcast where we uncover the good, the bad and the subby of the Australian construction industry, as told by those on the front line, subbies. I have uh, been in the business of recovering payments for those contractors for about uh, 14 years now, and uh, we've just passed $66 million in payments recovered for contractors, mostly subbies, but to be fair, quite a few builders as well. So, Anthony, why are subbies under fire and not being paid? Uh, Many reasons. A lot of government work's gone into looking at this. Uh, There are a number of them. Uh, First is the basis of contracting is usually very weak. And uh, the contract puts all the risk, all the risk is shoved down the contractual chain to the subcontractor, which are generally small businesses and don't have the reserves to take on the risk. And number two, they usually don't understand the risk that they're taking on in any job. Anthony, who have we got on our very first episode? We have a fellow whom we will call Pete for the uh, extent of this discussion. And uh, he's a civil contractor from the southwest outskirts of Sydney look forward to hearing what Pete's got to say. It's quite a tale, I can tell you. This is the Subbies Under Fire podcast. Well, with, with this particular with this particular job, how did you come to be involved in it? Uh, a, a friend of a friend, one of these like situations again, where there was a guy that was in a, in a world of pain. So he rang me and said, uh, can you come and have a look at, at the particular job? Um, it involved a lot of rock. That's where it was uh, running into hard times. And we have uh, like D10 sized dozers that will rip rock and 50 ton excavators that will rip rock uh, or in, in bigger. Anyway, not so we can handle rock a lot better. He, and he, and he, the, the friend of a friend who we had a quarry say, so yeah, we were familiar with the territory, you might say. It wasn't far from one of our quarries. Mm. Uh, so that's how it initiated. Yeah, friend of a friend and can you help me? So he actually held the contract in the first instance he, and got into some trouble. I think he underestimated what work he really had to do. He underestimated the work and then he underestimated the strength of the rock. He was in a world of pain with the rock component. So let, let me get this clear. Did you have to move all this rock? Yes. Yeah, there were big big catchment and sediment collection ponds that had to be constructed for the environmental purposes of the job. Um, it was a big sporting complex. So everything's got to be really in line and in order environmentally. He had a lean on him in relation to the rock, yeah, and well, he was he was scattered. That that rock is in situ, so it's there. So it has to be actually broken up. It has to be cracked open, broken into pieces, and taken away. And rock has different hardness, 
So some rock will just collapse with a screwdriver. Other rock, you'll actually need to hit it with a 30-ton excavator with a hammer to even cause a crack in it. And what he's saying is that the original fellow underestimated the size of machine he would need to, to crack that rock open. He just So it amounted to him trying to, trying to crack steel with a, with a thumbtack. Um, that's really the problem that he was in. I believe the contract sum from memory of that was, what, $1.5 million or Approximately right around those numbers, yeah, and around $1.5 million. And, yes. and it, was bro- it was broken into bits. And how far in was he when he called you? Do you, do you remember? Over a third. Over, let's just call it around 30 to 35% in, yeah. of the job. And he'd only just got into the – there was a bit of clearing and a little bit of levelling. So he hadn't got into the nitty-gritty, you might say, or the stuff that you really start – you start to burn. You're going to start burning on money. So that's yes. – yeah. We and Yeah, that, that, that's right. And I think – can you tell me about the discussion he had with you when he put up his hand and called you to help him out? What was he saying? Um, his grief, his grief was that the um, the contract had noted that that it was refusal. Um, they were only going to pay for a variation of rock slash hard rock um, at the refusal point of a D eight dozer. Now, very rarely would you have refusal of a D eight size dozer. It may be. It may be whatever, even smaller, not even just a D8. But anyway, regardless, that was what was in the writing, refusal of a D8. What had happened, um, he actually had about a D9 size dozer, and that wouldn't do the job. Yet the builder was still leaning on him, saying, um, still your problem. He wouldn't agree that the machine was a D9, although it was. So how do you, how, how's it decided what's, what size and strength of machine you need? Well, that's what it said. Refusal means that size machine won't do the job. So the builder wanted to stand there arguing that, no, his machine still not suffice. And suck it up, princess, it will do it. Although, yes, okay, it may rip the rock, but refusal means that it's not doing the job economically. Mm-hmm. So the the dozer, any like I say, this D nine dozer was there, and it would have been let's. It was about a sixty five ton dozer that he, that he had on the job, but if it's not working, refusal can also just mean it's not doing the job economically. So, um, in normal conditions, that dozer should move. Let's just say for round figures, it should move a thousand cubes a day. He would have been lucky to be moving fifty. Wow. cubes a day wow so he's burning yeah he's burning so so th- this was his initial discussion to you yes and what did you agree to do for him what what where did you take it from there you went down and had a look or what did what did you do yeah i went i went to the job uh well actually he came to our office first sorry we had a chat about it and he explained what the contract and he brought the contract um which was very open very open-ended it wasn't too long after this i'd spoke to i'd spoke to anthony uh, any, anyway, uh, but we, we went to the job. We went to the site after looking at the contract and he explained the situation. And I immediately said, yeah, yeah, you've got a real problem here. This is D10 plus size machinery and bigger. This rock's really, really hard going. We brought in the gurus on rock, done tests. Um, this is how silly it got. Um, soon as we'd flagged it with the builder, like the main contractor, and said, um, you're stitching this guy up. 
just getting to the point. He's like, there's no stitching. Shut up. Get on with it. Yeah, so that's the kind of reasonable, kind of cerebral, well, well-balanced well response you want from a, that's right. a, a contractor. Isn't and that's it? what it was. Why do you think the builders would do that? Uh, he was um, filling his pockets with the cash as the rock came out. He may have had, let's pretend, he might have had $100 a cube on that rock. That's what he might have got, you know, $100 in his kick for everything. He was probably paying Alan about $20 a cube. So this guy had undercooked himself something shocking right from the onset, only because he didn't know. He was absolutely, the poor bastard was blind. A good, honest country bloke. And and that was him. the, the, The actual scenario, this is a typical example of um, a, a guy going into a contract really not equipped for the, the job was too, was really beyond him. I mm. don't think he understood what his risk profile was under the contract. He didn't do any geological work to understand what he'd have to deal with. He worked on assumption. And to be honest, I think the builder saw him coming because he, he presents, as, as you say, just a simple country boy who thought he was just going to smash up a bit of rock and move it around and then got sucked into this black hole well you, you had a main contractor direct to the government yeah which is whoever and then we were what it was it was another civil contractor that was actually as it turned out was friends with the actual builder like very friendly they went sailing in the harbor together they went to dinner together they went flying together they were good buddies they yeah. were very very friendly now no conflict civil, of interest there. no 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 the civil contractor that actually won the job Never had a never had an item of plan around him. He did not own anything. He was a civil engineer by trade, if you like, or by his background, and and he just wanted to sit there filling his pockets, which is that's fine if you can get away with it, not cruel or brutalise people. But that's what he was up to. So we had a meeting with him, and mm. we've said, look, you know, you're taking this guy for having a lend to this fella here. You know, this is not working economically. The poor bastard's in a world of pain. He's going to go broke. Yep. He's a response. His problem. He signed the contract. Get it done. Yeah. So what's interesting that what uh, Pete said here uh, is that it's the equivalent of house flipping. What's happened here? Mm. So you've mm. got a you've got a subcontractor. You've got the main contractor that is in a contract with the government, and under that contractor is this fellow who owns no plant and does no work but now holds the subcontract for this civil work and then subcontracts out the entire scope of that contract to this guy That's that correct. he was working with. So just literally taking a cut off the top and adding no value. It was just absolutely jaw-dropping. I'd never seen I'd never seen anything like it. So essentially he added no value to the actual work no. getting done. He just basically He employed got, he employed a very nasty site manager to drink coffee and read the paper all day. That was it. That's right. Yep. To tell everybody how it was regularly. Every five minutes he was gonna tell you how to suck eggs. And he was clueless. But it didn't matter. He was one of those guys. They have the front about him. They have the bravado on the front. Bigger sort of a dude. Big bloke. So big bloke, big voice, big mouth. Um, and they're telling you how it's going to be. And that's how it will roll. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the main contract was. I never really went into that, Anthony. But I was led to believe it was 3 or $4 million. And yes, right. went in for about $1.5 for the total job. So, 
This middleman civil contractor was about to slip a nine, let's just pretend a nice round figures, a couple of million in the, in the gig there from a government job for just walking around this cellophane and telling you, get in there and get the thing done. Yes. I will I will do you for liquidated liquidated damages. Yeah, we'll talk that, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that that's that's start the from great onset. Line. That's the great line we're gonna talk about. Yep. Um, okay, so you you had this conversation with him and then what happened? You agreed to you had a kind of of an informal um, relationship with this other guy, and then you brought some plant to the site and started trying to rip the rock out. Or, or what? Uh, I did, I did. We brought in, we brought in one of the D tens, and we just had a. We, it was mainly for a bit of a. Um, uh, it was just to do a little bit of um, investigation work, you might call it, for ourselves, just to, right. to, just to understand. So we done a. Um, we 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 done whatever a small amount of work with our with our dozer. It might have been a big excavator there as well. The repair anyway. That re- regardless of that, we done a little bit, and so then we stopped the job again. And I said, "This this is a variation. All of this works a variation." And that's when it started instantly. It got ugly. I was I stopped the job. Okay, I'm the idiot in the room. What's a variation? A variation is an addition or reduction uh, to the scope of work. So this is the biggest area of argument in construction is a variation. What is the variation? Is there a variation at all? If there is, what's it worth? Et cetera, et cetera. So um, rarely, rarely do you have a job where there's no variations. There's always the unexpected, which means the party has to do more work. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but the variation in this particular job was the cost and size of the plant you would need to break this rock up. And and the disposal of the rock, so you'd need a far more expensive machine and more of them. Is that right? It was just that's correct. It was the size of the machine required just to deal with the rock, just because of its strength. That's what it comes down to. So yeah, that's it. The the variation you need a sign, like and 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 like correctly, you know, laid out piece of paper that says we 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 understand and we agree that this is going to take a lot more time and it's going to cost a lot more money, which is all the variation is. There's more time, more money, whatever you want to, whichever way you want to take over it. Over so and over and above the scope. You've got it. So the extra over component, you might say. So anyway, uh, away, away we try and go. So that was, there was complete straight out, straight out bang refusal, mm. virtually bullshit. Get on with the job. There's no variation. Get them things going. Yeah, because just machines. to be clear for the listeners, so the scope wasn't just remove the rock. Because the actual scope did detail that the scope only covered rock that could be removed with a D no, a D eight D eight D eight size machine. Now this is where it gets interesting. So the scope says um, um, the rock that falls within the scope is only rock that can be removed with a D eight. Now there's a little bit of ambiguity in there because because as Pete right. said before that. You can remove the rock with a D8 if you're prepared to dig until the end of time. So the, the question of commercial sense comes in uh, where you say, well, hang on, commercially and within the industry, this rock would require, I think, a D30. Nah, no, just a D, D10. A D10. D10 needed a D10 machine to be commercially viable and to remove the rock. And remember, at the same time, under the contract, you have a program. So you've got to work at a particular rate and finish at a particular time. So you've got to have the right machine in order to finish at the right time. So the position of these guys was we don't care 
Um, it's not a variation. We don't care. It's your problem. Just get on with it. Do and we didn't want to even have the conversation. Mm. And the implications of not doing things on time. Uh, now we get into the deep, dark world of liquidated damages known as LDs. Okay. The subbies listening to this just roll their eyes. It's mm-hmm. LDs come to you in your nightmare. So um, I've often said that uh, liquidated damages are the most bizarre concept I've ever heard and whoever invented it, it's just bizarre. Liquidated damages says that if you don't finish by a particular date, you agree in the contract for every day that you're late, you owe your client X dollars to be agreed. Might be $5,000 a day, might be on a huge job, it can be more, on a smaller job, it can be less, $500 a day. The principle is for every day that you're late, you owe your client X dollars per day. So this is where it gets bizarre. So there are many reasons that a job can be late and it's rarely because one one particular subby is taking a long time. But be that as it may, you could finish a job and deliver this amazing bit of value and be paying for the privilege. Thank you for finishing your scope of works and by the way, you owe me $600,000. Now, what? how does that motivate someone to finish, A? B, who really incurs that damage? It's just the most ridiculous thing. And people wonder why um, there are so many defects in buildings and there's a, a crisis of confidence in the industry. It's because you're trying to do something very, very complex at breakneck speed with poor preparation and planning because everyone's terrified about li- liquid damages or LDs. And come bringing us back to this job, the fellow Pete was helping was being threatened every day with, mm. to quote, I think, yeah. LDs, LDs. We're going to hit you with LDs. L, yeah, LDs and legal action. Legal action that was, and LDs. That was honestly, that's not an exaggeration. That was every day. Get on with it. You Don't mess around. Because we stopped work. We stopped when We couldn't agree that it was a variation. We stopped work, and that's when I called Anthony. And we started the process of what we're going to do to put it in order at that point. What had happened to our friend, our friend up there that had the um, civil works job from the other that we were trying to lend a helping hand to as such, he'd given them a program and his program of works also was probably not as um, detailed as it, it, it should have been. And it's easy to get into this little spot as well where you've, because you should, though any, any big builder or a big business will ask, you, you submit a program of works on the initiation of winning the contract. And you say, here's my timelines. It's going to take me, yeah, like you mentioned, you, you, you weather, set weather and COVID or whatever you're going to say aside. But a lot of guys innocently, because they might be getting a bit of lean or pressure, hey, this is going to be quick. This job's going to be done quick. This is going to be, you know, you've got eight weeks to do this job. And that's ridiculous. Sometimes people will mark up a contract. I'm just using around figures here. Yep. They give an eight-week program and the job is any day of the week was going to be double that. It's going to be 16 weeks. So the poor buggers were just living a fairyland thinking, I'm going to give them what they want. Cause what I, and, and then, yes, if you've submitted that program, mate, we've gone over the eight weeks. This is going to cost you 10 grand yeah, a week so, now. Uh, many subbies get, a, in yeah. tra- get entrapped at the front end mm. by a, a ridiculous program. And quite often the program is given to you after you've signed the contract. Mm. And all of a sudden you look at the program and they want, as he said, they want no. 16 weeks of work done in eight weeks. Like apps physically yeah. impossible on on relying on the fact that stuff you Rob we know you're going to be three months late and we'll pull it all off you in liquidated damages. 
Okay, so this is your mate that's brought you in. He's in this situation. What happened next? Well, when uh, when we done our investigation work, which I purposely put like a dose there to do that and see how we're going to go, see roughly what we can move per day, I thought, right, well, here it is. Now we have to roll back with a new program. That was one of the bits. But we had to go through a process to try and get somebody to acknowledge that this was a variation. That was the, where the fun yes. started. So um, we brought in experts from like the rock gurus. If you want me to get to this, yeah, we get yeah, to this yeah, point yeah, now? Yeah. yeah, so we brought these guys in. It was that, it was that, this is how embarrassing it was. I've turned up with the rock gurus. This is a true story. He this isn't a ro- GR. He calls them rock gurus. Yeah, the rock gurus. <laughs> but we just turn up in normal work hours. We've got to the front gate. Oh, so yes, this, I yep. forgot about this. So the manager, the site manager guy goes, what do you think you're doing? Well, we're just going to go in and take some samples of the rock to take it away to the lab and you test the strength to see what it is. So we can prove this rock is never, ever going to be economically rippable now with a D8 dozer. Hence, you have got refusal. No, you won't. You are not taking any samples. Go away. Piss off. Get out of here. Not happening. So then we had to do kamikaze. It was just stupid. We're in the jungle building this job. So then we go in at like 8 and 9 o'clock at night, sneak into the job, <laughs> go right. in, go around all the ponds. Um, we took photos the next day. It was in the daylight. He couldn't stop us whooping around getting no photos. But we took all the rock samples from each one. Our friend logged it where he'd got each sample from and where it was and how into the, in relation to the plan. And uh, it was all just crazy what we were doing. And, and the surveyor snuck in on the weekend. That's right. Snuck in yep. and did did levels. Did the did the quantities. We had to go in. It was a Sunday. We done that. Yeah, and done all the quantities on all the holes that what was going on then, what was required, so we can go right. Well, here here's where it's got to as best he could do in in the soft material. Our yeah. our old mate there had done as much best he could, and um and yeah. So we put all we had to go in after hours just getting to the point. Was that silly? Yeah, there was like, like Anthony said earlier on. It was security guards and then people were in the job everywhere. It was just out of control. What was going on was like, really, this isn't happening. It was Surely like, it's not it was happening. Like Stalag thirteen, fancy that. You, yeah, you just want to take rock samples to actually assess what you're dealing with. You actually had to go in under cover of night. I mean, this is how ridiculous it is, just to assess. Now, let's let's remember this is a government job. This is not some cowboy no. something out of the back of nowhere. This is a state government project that this is happening on, right? Um, and so uh, they've taken all these readings, and I think a report was produced, yep. yes? Okay, yes. and said. Oh, he said this is out of control, the strength. Yeah. He actually said this is some of the best sandstone I've come across in my career. And this guy would have been 60-something-year-old. I'm just he's, – he was, he, was, uh, he was on the road to retirement. Really nice guy, by the way, and really good at his job. But, um, but so you've got, you know, one of the most recognised um, geotechnical um, companies, yeah, yeah, companies in the country uh, working on this. So it wasn't just I'm just going to make up a story. No way, they were very good and they're very well recognised. And and so this it, it basically it basically so, concluded mm, that this was some of the hardest mm, rock that they'd ever come across. Yep, in this style of, in this style of rock. At this point, you and had worked for a few months together yeah between his machinery and yours and you'd brought in a proper d9 i think yeah d10 d10 sorry and had ripped through that rock and 
the site was huge. So the actual their their client, the contractor there they're reporting to had this site manager about one and a half kilometres away from the site in a little hut drinking coffee and reading the paper. So not even watching or managing the job. So they're out on their own ripping this mm. rock up. And by the time I spoke to the both of them, they'd done $1.3 million worth of work and been paid 95000 and that's a ninety-five grand paid towards the beginning. So for I think five months, going on five months, not a cent had been paid. Mm. Not a cent. Even if you reject the variation, you'd have to make some payments under the original scope. Not a cent. It was just get lost and LDs. He was sort of promising money was going to come. It wasn't. He kept the false front mm. of yeah, I'll fix it up. And there were, so I can't remember Anthony off actually had anything in writing off him, acknowledging it was a very, I think he acknowledged it was a very, but then we were around in circles about what the rate was going to be. We submitted rates, but he... You actually had submitted kept, a variation request which was refused. Yeah. It was in paper, but they rejected yeah. it. Yeah. And he, and he hung around, mind you, for three or four months before he said, no, we refused it. He, he actually made out, fair enough, fair call. It's yeah, it is hard. I acknowledge it. I can see that D ten days is having a hard time. I I get it. And it, it was you know it was the Warman Casey thing. Yes, yes, yes. Everything was yes. It wasn't a bleat. No. Once we we said, look, this is what we need. So he he rolled he rolled with the game. He really to rolled keep you with working. the game. Yes, Just to, to keep, keep us going. So the work was Let's, getting done. Yes, because he really gave us the Warman Casey feeling at this point. He roped us. He he did. He was very impressive. No, no, it's yeah, okay. No, I get it. No, fair. Look, I was on the wrong. I was on the wrong track. I'm sorry about that. We're going to have to work this out, aren't we? Oh my god, this would so be like, oh, this, we have. This is a here. very yeah. This is a very common ploy, yep. which is to play the good cop, mm. um, and unfortunately, many subbies will take the good cop as okay. He gets it. He hears me. I'll keep working. I'll get some money eventually. Whereas. Um, you, know, you go to the Jerry Maguire line, sh- show me the money. I don't care how nice you are, what you say, just tell me tell me in dollars. Yeah, look, that, and that's and that's how it rolled. And like like I say, he was he was really on the team and on the side. And, and, and then they, he's running the thing, look, I've got to talk to the main, co- the head contractor. Um, so the manager's filling the pockets for very little. He, that's what he's like, look, we've got to work our way around this. Just work with me. And that we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna get through it. Yep. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. We're gonna we're gonna look we're, you know, we've got to be the team. So, yes, we're so, gonna team up and we're gonna we're gonna get this sorted out. So that that's another common ploy. So, so yeah. start to refer to yeah. it as we. <laughs> mm, yeah. So but you're we, still you're still paying people. Oh my word, yeah, we're paying our light now tomorrow, and so is our friend uh, our friend there. He um he was in a world of pain. He actually he's come to me nearly. He well not he was crying. He, yeah, he he's got me one on one. The poor bugger, and he's like, "Can you spot me? I have no money left. I think I'm in a broke." This was truly him. He was gone. He said, mm. "I can't pay you. I have nothing." Um, he said, "I'm getting that bad. I think I'm probably going to lose my business." I yeah, when what. I when I spoke to the both of you, he was he oh. really he was like a shattered man. He really was. He it, could barely talk. I don't know if I've ever told you know it broke him. That was it. Do you know he went to he went to the funny farm? I oh, did he. I'm true. I thought I told you all that. No, I remember he called me about another job and he wasn't too well. And then you said he he tried to yep 
Yeah, well, to, let's say it. He tried, tried to, to commit, commit suicide. suicide. Yeah. Um, but he ended up he he ended up having to go into care for quite some time. Shame. And then he got out a little bit, but he was just uh, he was a wreck. I bumped into him well, a number of when I say months, I don't know it was probably eighteen months, but um, it broke him. That job just completely broke him. I think I think I think that job destroyed the confidence in himself, but also it was so. I can't convey to listeners how savage the environment was, but this was a, a very soft, gentle kind of a guy mm. who was um, had his had his head smashed literally, not figuratively, had his head smashed against a wall every working day, and being uh, told to shut up and get on with it, and being delegitimized and bullied and harangued and taken to the edge of financial ruin. I'll talk a bit more about that in, in a so, bit. Okay, can I just and amazes me i mean it's horrific what's happened to the mm. and obviously you know pete this you know, you're, you're on the you've been part of the whole process it's a government job yeah, yeah. we keep reminding yeah. ourselves of it that don't we well job. can i just tell you something about government jobs is that is that rather than having the highest ethical standards they have the lowest now why is that because the head contractor is absolutely certain of most of their payment government's not going to go broke on them so there's a certain swagger, swagger and certainty to their positioning and you will not find a more disinterested client than the government. Too true. They don't care. Tell me when to cut the ribbon, otherwise I don't want to know. Now, no minister will fess up to that, but it's absolutely true and the head contractors who often get government contracts know that to be the case. So they now turn around and persecute uh, so often, not all the time, you know, this is not all the time, but when it does happen, they persecute their subcontractors with such ferocity, knowing no one's really looking. And I see that time and time again. Mm. So um, I d- was aware that <laughs> tried to um, kill himself. I wasn't aware that he'd gone into care, although yeah, I yeah, suppose yeah. that really does follow, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah. No, he was in care for quite some time. And even once he came out, the poor bugger was just, he was, he was, uh, you know, a, a shadow or a skeleton. What do you want to say? The former person. He was just rattled. Yeah. So let, let's get back to yep. where we are. You were, he got literally in tears talking to you. Yeah. He's got no money no. to pay his staff to whatever, live mm. life in the big expensive city that we're in. Mm. You know, I borrow money off family members. He told me to keep dribbling a little bit, but he couldn't, he couldn't pay us anything, which was that we were fortunate enough. We weren't, weren't we could handle it. I'll just say. Yeah, so, so, so Pete took on the kind of lead role to try and find mm. a way out. And I'd helped him in the past. So then the three of us got to together yep. and had a chat, I think yep. to work out who's who in the zoo. And I saw what the story, I think at that point, you had suspended work and had been locked off the site. Is that right? They, they um, put up not, fence and security. Was that? Am yeah, I thinking yeah, of the not, right job? Remember, not when I first started talking to you, okay. because once again, government t- contract. Even Anthony advises we can't just stop work and walk away. Remember, we so we kept going. Yes, that's right. That's why we we kept pushing ahead. You can't. We're legally in a world of pain if we just stop and walk away. That's the catch with the government contract. <laughs> Well, you can't, can't. You, you repudiate, yeah, it's very, yeah. Not without getting into details, very difficult to stop That's cold, mm. but um, were you at some point locked off the site yes. that was? we were, but it was virtually finished. 
Virtually we, we, towards we, the end. Ah, right. Was that after we'd already started? Yeah, yeah, that's it. We were all we were virtually done. We we're in the tidy up and the wrap up, and then there that's was right. more little extra overs. Yes, that's right. Okay. So at <laughs> this point, um, I could actually see there was a lot of merit to their to the case. They, mm. I, you'd had all the by then we'd had the expert the, the, the geotechnical report. Right. Everything was all there. That. We and I could quantify what you're owed. Mm, I think mm. I got to 1.37 million or something. Yep. And and a single payment of 95 grand against all of that. And so we served that claim on this right. this rat bag. And he came back. Oh, I'm trying to remember as well. He came back with um, a, a payment schedule. Um, so we decided we'd go adjudication under security payments, of course. And why is that? Because it's the fastest way to actually get both parties to commit their arguments to paper, mm. to commit their position. So what is their position? And they were really poor. I mean, why was it poor? Because they thought they're dealing with he's having a crack and what's he really going to come up with? So it was a pretty pathetic defence. Well, yeah, we had a number of meetings at the site yeah. with, with um, myself. And the, and the middleman contractor, if I call him that. So the guy that's just taking the leak for doing nothing. So and he, all, he could, all he had to say, and this was more than one meeting just like this, do yourself a favour, don't go legal, do yourself a favour, you're going to be licking your wounds. You'll be licking yes. your wounds. I try, I try, I honestly, I don't know how many times that was said, but I can remember it like I'm sitting there today. Don't, no, don't push me into this corner. Don't do not push me or the main contractor because he said you are there you you are trying to create a blemish on the main contractor as well <laughs> see well yeah and that's it he ran on there was more than just the blemish thing there was more to it than that but um he said you know this gives people like an outstanding and upstanding or whatever main contractor the main builder of the government this gives them a bad name so yeah. do not do not do this, and, and it was threat, straight out direct threats. You will lose, you will lick your wounds, you will walk away with nothing. Do not do it, and it and it honestly did not. So like I say, more than one of them. It's very interesting. So the actual um, head contractor that had the government contract is is kind of well regarded, well known, well regarded, and they had subcontracted out to this fellow. Let's call him Mr. Krispy Kreme because he's licking the cream off the top. Mm. To Mr. Mm. Krispy Kreme, who then subcontracted the entire contract out to. <laughs> this guy, this kind of false bravado, tends to indicate to me that they're actually very pretty worried. So that's why they do these these threats. Um, so nevertheless, it just didn't overcome the evidence in favour of the work. I mean, how do you really defend a position of $1.3 million worth of work? We've paid ninety five grand. Very difficult to to do. We had everything quantified. We had an excellent survey. We had the surveyor who'd quant who'd calculated volumes and so on. It was all pretty well documented, uh, documented and it was well uh, in terms of coming to a value. It was all pretty pretty solid. So um, I believe Pete remind me that there was then we heard reports from the government's contractor from the head contractor. Once we lodged the adjudication application, so I prepared the submissions and we lodged it in, and um, I think the head contractor then got wind of it, and they that th their boss went nuts. I think mm. from memory, he did. He yeah, went not mad because do you think they knew? 
<laughs> who knows? I don't know. I don't know what. It, yeah, I'm not sure about all the details behind the scenes. But he wasn't happy, Jan. Yeah, very, very, very excited. But lots of them were very excited. It, was, it got real messy. I mean, he was quite aware of it. The main man, let's call him the main man. Whoever, what do you want to call him? The Isn't main government crammed? one. No, that Krispy Kreme's the one taking the licking off the top for nothing. <laughs> okay. The main contractor. Head, head contractor. Head, the, Call the, head, the head contractor. The head. Well, the head contractor, apparently being the job a few times in and out, and he would have noticed what had happened towards the end as we're backing off and trying to start some action, Jackson with Anthony. The, um, the, he started bringing in other subbies just willy-nilly everywhere to start doing some of the work that, that our friend, who was getting carved up, should have been doing melting down in relation to this because they're saying well that's all right it's all right you're paying for him anyway that that whatever money you had that comes off your money you, mm. you should be here and he said oh, i've run out of money you haven't paid me and on the argument went so it got so, real sticky yeah, yeah. so just just again for rob's benefit here's the yep. absurdity so they've they've paid him 95 grand out of about 1.3 million mm. and he's at a point where and so he really couldn't complete or was slowed down <laughs> So now they brought other contractors in to complete the small amount, and what a back charge it on him, meaning and you owe us the cost of us having to finish. Yeah. <laughs> so that it's yeah, there's other people coming in all over the shop. It was very impressive. So yeah, hence then the big main man right at the top of the tree there. Yeah, he's like, what is going on? And then yeah, he's got he's well. Got, well, look, we got we got. Um, I think at that point they locked you off the site. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when yeah. They, as soon as they had, had got wind of your information. Or your that's right submission they did, because in the submission they saw they saw the surveyor's report. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. this was this the report where the night the little night? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the yeah, matrix of it. Oh, yeah, and all everything. Yeah, everything we'd snuck on the site and done with no knowledge of themselves. They were not. Okay. They were completely blindsided so, by that. So then, you turned up to site and they <laughs> had fenced it off. They had mm. security guards there. And they locked your machines on the site. Yeah. You couldn't get to it. Yeah. It was your property. 24-7. They, they, they locked the site up. And we even we, we were aware of the security during the day. We Honestly, we didn't realise they were staying there the whole night. But we turned up at like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning to pick up some of the big dozers. Mm. We had a few. There was more than one. And um, next thing you know, here's the security and everyone. Go away. No, not down to the site. We're like, we're picking up our own equipment. It's our machinery sitting in there. And like it had sat there for, we went, there was a bit of a stoush for, it got a bit hot there as all the, everything started hitting, hitting the table with what Anthony had done. So they actually, um, they they terminated the contract and told us not to enter the site. Yeah, that's, that's how it, so. So you've got it, fences, security guards, their own property on the machine yeah. that they're not allowed to recover. Okay. And I yeah. remind you. This is not an episode of The Sopranos. This is a government contract. Okay. So the adjudicator came back to the decision and essentially awarded the entire amount, pretty much the entire amount. I think yeah, there was a little bit of a discount. I think it was $1.2 million, I think, in the end. Something like that. So who, who was up for that amount? Who was up for that amount? Mr. Krispy Kreme. He had to pay $1.2 million. Um, and so the... Um, don't do this. Don't put me in a corner. You'll be yep. licking your wounds. You'll be yeah. licking your wounds. Well, let let me let me tell you something. That in the response in the adjudication, they finally engaged a law firm who came back with. Oh yeah, it's impressive. There were huge folders of of oh, 
oh, I'd just have to call them bullshit. Was bullshit arguments. But here's the funniest thing that I, this to me was the single funniest thing, is that for all the months of LDs, LDs, you'll be up for LDs, liquidated day, you're zero, you'll owe us hundreds of thousands. When we actually looked at the contract, the contract did not provide for liquidated damages. wasn't mm. in there. So the original contract that they were th- using as a threat, these LDs. Mm. No, they assumed the contract yeah, included LDs, an agreement to apply liquidated damages if you were late. But it didn't. It had, in that particular government contract, it's called the GC21 form of contract, it's a standard form. There's a, 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 a part at the back which talks about whether or not the contract will include liquidated damages. And there's a box, yes, you have to put an X in it, or no, the box in it. So that had a box, no, with an X in it. So it was no, unambiguous no. So to their horror, and at the, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was only in the adjudication that they realised that there were no liquidated damages at all to apply to the contract. How is it? that the contract would not provide for liquidated damages. That is very, very unusual, especially for civil contract. Mm. And here's what I think, and I, I'm sure I'm right, is that head contractor gave the job to Buddy, Mr. Krispy Kreme, and their contract did not provide for liquidated damages because they know each other. Mm. So Mr. Krispy Kreme has taken the contract, blanked out all his details, given it to... Said sign here, put in all his company details without realising that the contract... no LDs. No LDs. Mm. (laughs) Because he hadn't bothered to read the contract. It was back to... That's what I'm sure has happened. You can't prove it, but I'm sure that's that's what's happened. So um, what happened then is the story did get a bit of media attention, which just infuriated them even more, but it ramped up the pressure on Mr Krispy Kreme, something horrid. So we then, um, they didn't pay within five days, so the whole amount was not paid. So at that point, uh, you are entitled to register that decision as a judgment in the district court, given the size of it. No, Supreme Court, in the Supreme Court. So we prepared all the paperwork and (laughs) off to the registry at the Supreme Court. And he's, he's at the Supreme Court and... Um, literally in line, and he calls me. Anthony, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the registry of the Supreme Court. I've got the paperwork. I said, yeah, what's happened? I said, Mr. Crispy, we'll call him Mr. Crispy Cream. He's on my mobile. He's on my <laughs> two mobiles. He's on the other mobile right now, and he's begging me, begging me not to register judgment, begging me not to do it. He's like crying on the phone, like what a satisfying turn of events. Mm. He's mm. begging me. And I said, um, I said, where are you? He said, I'm standing in line waiting to put the documents over. And uh, I said, tell him to get fucked and hang up on him, which is what he did. Let the guy fry for how he's treated. And so we registered judgment and then the lawyers stepped in and wanted to uh, negotiate the payment. And I won't disclose it, but the, the matter was actually settled. And Pete took a lead in those negotiations, and an amount was agreed at. It was a very impressive amount. was in every wasn't every nickel and dime. It was very impressive. And 
the it was agreed to be done at uh, particular intervals, so not as a lump sum, so over about four months. And there were lawyers, we got lawyers involved in terms of a deed, so a proper deed was done. And I'm sure the head contractor now had to protect their reputation. And I think it was the lawyer for the head contractor that actually stepped in to control this because this would have looked awful for them on state government work. And just for the benefit of listeners, that if you've got a default on your... If you've got an unpaid debt on your company's record, you can't get government contracts. Like, that disqualifies you. So they couldn't have that happen. So that's why it was settled out of court. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 the judgment was registered. Mm. And then the... But remember, it was registered against Mr Krispy Kreme, not the head contractor. Okay. So um, the in debt to the tax office in the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars and he was on his third strike and the ATA was going to take his house and sell it from under him. And I got him I got him the money to clear his tax debt with four days to spare. Mm-hmm. So th- that's that's how high the stakes are in the world of subby land a lot of the time. Yeah, that's right. People, yeah, they they don't. You'd never ever, unless you've been right in the middle of it, you you would never ever understand or appreciate how let's just call it yucky and pear shaped these these things can go. It is really, really, it's messed up in the in the world of construction. It can get ugly. Just an ethical uh, avoid, (laughs) an ethical avoid. Do 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 you have an insight into his family? What they were going through at that time? Uh, Oh yeah, I think he he busted up. Yeah, yeah, he's married. The whole lot, and I think he busted up with his missus. Mm. I think all that happened. The whole, the whole road there that where everything's gone wrong. You know, you, I suppose you're trying your heart out and you're living your life with it, and it just, it just goes wrong. I can imagine like everything around you breaking apart. I mean, it's, mm. you, know, you don't know. You can imagine the pressure it would put yeah. on your personal life. But but the at, at the end of the day, um, the 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 arguments were upheld. The money was paid, a home was saved, Pete got some money for what was provided and um, really Mr Krispy Kreme Loudmouth and his arsehole of a site manager mm-hmm. um, got an absolute hammering. Uh, in in particular, you can imagine how that site manager would feel for year, for months and months of threatening LDs to then find out the contract didn't have LDs in them. I don't know if I've ever told you this one. You want to get ready for this one. The site manager rings me. Hey, you're looking for a site manager? <laughs> uh, true story. Uh, true story. What a moron. <laughs> he rings yeah. up. Hey, look, what do you got going on? Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm done with this up here. You're looking for a site manager? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a crash test dummy. Strap I can, in. I think I can really help you out. It's not anything that's It's not unusual and it's not out of the norm for people to be being bent over. In a construction job. It's not. Unfortunately, it's just not. Even, yeah, you rub your hands together going, oh, you beauty, government job, safe as houses. Mm. Bit of bullshit. It actually is. It yeah. actually is, sadly. Which is sad. Uh, sadly, it's A, uh, normally the cheapest win, the cheapest bid wins. But remember, if yes. you can put on the table the cheapest bid, bid, assuming you're not deliberately lying about the price, you're usually, it's usually... Uh, Contractors who are not adequately resourced to actually do a job that size with a number of people and num- and big thing is working capital. You mm. need to have enough working capital to fund the job. 
but no one cares about that. So they'll look at that and go, well, you signed the contract, off you go. And the beauty is, from the point of contractors up the chain, is if you go into liquidation or go into administration not being able to fulfil your mm. contract, I don't have to pay you. If you get the contract That's says right. if you go insolvent, you're gone. I don't need to pay you for anything. So I probably haven't paid you for three or four months. So I've now got the full benefit of your work and have paid five cents for it. And now I don't need to pay you anything. And that's deliberate strategy is to bankrupt uh, companies, is to liquidate companies intentionally because that's how you recover some of your margin. That's an intentional strategy, which I think is why security of payment um, really was born out of that. There's still a ways to go, but that's kind of try to address that imbalance. And he actually made that threat... With it. He, he said, go broke, go broke. That was in, in the discussions and meetings. Well, we there you go. It's in his advantage, so I'm, I'm getting it. So yeah, you're you in, got this it. Situ- in this situation. You're gone. There's no benefit in paying up front no. or paying early or paying anything and to delay and get the contracts right. Essentially, he was that's, the, the strategy he was playing was get as much work, free work as possible before they go under. And then we'll get someone else in to finish it and we might pay that second party. But either way, you've got a million dollars worth of work for 150 grand. And that's, that's how it that goes. That is truly how it works. And the amount of, oh, we've had first-hand experience and Anthony knows he was there. We had one member of bloody Reeds and Reeds yeah. are gone now, but right on the doorstep of the court, bam, we're gone because we've done voluntary administration at one point in time of our life, yeah, which that, was a long time ago yeah. now. That was in nearly a million dollars. Gone. Yeah, Reed's Gorn. was made all the headlines quite a few, 10 years ago now yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highways Quite and byways all over the place. They couldn't pay for any of it. Yep. And we were one of the, we were one of the lucky people. We were a recipient of a million dollar, like, go and buy another boat or whatever you bloody do with that sort of money. Mm. But, yeah, gone. All gone. Right, well, it's been amazing. Pete, thank you very much for joining us and for being candid about uh, what went on. I just an amazing story, but unfortunately, the more of these we tell, it'll just be kind of the norm, as you say. Mm. A real insights, Pete. I didn't know about this world, and now I feel a bit dirty for knowing about this world. Oh, Rob, I think you're actually slightly more greyer now than you were an hour ago. It's scary stuff. Thanks for listening to the Subbies Under Fire podcast. Anthony... That is a crazy, crazy story. How's that for a maiden episode? Uh, and I mean, Pete has a way with words, but let me tell you what him and um, are critical. Well, it's existential. It is you either win or you cease to exist. Uh, but they really hung on without taking action far too long, and it did become, it was really life or death. If you're enjoying Subbies Under Fire, please rate, review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on our website. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you will find Subbies Under Fire. Next time, we've got a fellow we're going to call Ben, a cement renderer, who got into uh, deep trouble uh, on agreed rates uh, for a very large four-level house. And uh, it all went south from there. Anthony, there are so many of these stories out there. I'm happy to bring it to the world. Yeah, let's uh, let's pull the blanket back and show what's underneath. This podcast has been produced by eathals.com.au. 
That's www.etales.com.au. 